Welcome to, to the, the Clam Bake. It's the opposite of a sausage fest. I'm Angela Gallner. I'm Lindsay Stidham. And we want to be better feminists, damn it. Yes, we do. Each week we interview different guests about their experiences, challenges, triumphs, and follies with feminism. Because being a human is tough. And being a feminist is complicated. But our best resource is each other. That's right. So let's get to talking. Welcome to the Clam Bake Clams. Let's do a quick clam check-in. We're sitting so close. I feel <laughs> as though we are about to smoochy, smooch, smooch. <laughs> what? Well, some of the mics are down, so like we're sharing in here, and everybody's getting real close. Hopefully nobody's sick. Sharing is caring. <laughs> I just ate peanut M&Ms, so you're welcome, Lindsay. I just ate real M&Ms. So you're what? Welcome. Yes. How's your clam lens? Um, pretty good. I got a lot of balls in the air to the point that it's starting to freak me out. Wow, but, I know. thought you said, I would thought you were going to start talking about blowjobs for some reason. When you said blah, okay. I thought you were going to say blowjobs. That's entirely possible, but not right, not right now. Oh, okay. Just balls. Balls. Lots of balls in the air. But like metaphorically, not men's balls. You're also not juggling, just to clarify. No, not literally. It's all a metaphor. Got it. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm, I'm good. You know what? Today's going to be perfect for what I'm going through. I've started a new life system, and it ties into the theme of today's podcast, because this week we are talking about life coaching, both taking it seriously and satirizing it, and everything in between. Wait, back up for one second. You said you started a new life system? Oh, yeah. I'm a new woman. Can't you tell? What is your new life system? I am doing the Danielle Laporte core desired feeling system. We'll talk about it in a beat. Whoa. That's just a little teaser. Holy shit. I can't believe I don't know this about you. Well, I haven't seen you in a full three days, and you know what? Everything can change in that <laughs> amount of time. You started it three days ago? Okay, great. Well, let's introduce our guests. Okay. Um, well, we have uh, Ross Everett, who I've known a really long time, but really I haven't seen time. you in a long time. No, it's been it's been years. It's been years, but it's really good to see you. You too. Um, well, you're an award-winning actor, writer, comedian. You live in Los Angeles. You have an amazing YouTube channel that people may know, um, like your New Year's resolutions. That's kind of like what broke you out, right? Oh, um, no. No? <laughs> I mean, that was one that, that went okay, but I think the one that people first noticed was... I went to a Snooky book signing uh, and interviewed right. the people that were there to get their books autographed by Snooky. That's amazing. And you're here now, though, because now you have a one-man show called Stop Stopping the Unstoppable that satirizes the world of personal development seminars, and we're getting deep into like life coaching, self-help, all that stuff today, which is a multi-billion dollar industry, and we're so excited to have you uh, be a part of it and talk about it. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And next up on the clam bank, Lucia Breezy. Did I say that right? Breezy, but I love your flair. Breezy, great accent. Breezy, yeah, it was quite a flair. Breezy. Lucia is a comedian slash leadership trainer and coach, exploring what happens at this intersection with her personal growth expert alter ego. Talia Brava. In the leadership sphere, Lucia is a program designer, lead trainer, and keynote speaker with Next Level Leadership, offering trainings in inclusion and women's leadership. Her coaching work to creatives across LA with creative coaching. Oh, I loved this when I read this earlier. Midwifing projects to life. Yes, that's what my friend. Or is it midwifing? Midwifing. I like that's projects to life. That's the proper. Um, feminist pronunciation of because we're not wives anymore. We're whiffs. We're whiffs. Awesome. It's, more it's like the WOM. You'll yes. remember Lucia from the WOM. I know. I feel like I'm a rag. You're totes a rag. <laughs> All right. So, our first question for everybody who comes on the show is Are you a feminist? Why or why not? It should be obvious. I think that we don't have to go around saying that we're not racist, but somehow, like, saying you're a feminist feels like more of a stance. Um, I think feminist just means humanist and that we believe all people should live healthy and free lives and that there's also female and masculine energies in every person. And so as women are able to be their full selves, we're empowering men to be their full selves as well. So part of being a feminist is also like noticing uh, when we have um, biases against the way men should be um, and also all the intersectionality and, you know, slashing the definitions and all that. So uh, yes, I am a humanist, and that means I'm a feminist. Up top. 
Yeah, I, I'm so happy you said everything that you just said. Uh, yeah, I'm a feminist. It's one of those things that I, I've uh, definitely had issue with the term in my younger years, 100%. I don't know a lot of the terms that you guys have thrown around, so I'm like, oh, man, maybe I'm in the wrong room. But at the same time, like, I, 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 there's never been an ounce of me when people have outlined what it means to be a feminist that I've been like, oh, I disagree with that. So, yeah, I am. What was your issue when you were younger? With being called a... It, yeah, with the word. Um, the person who asked me. <laughs> you know, like, um, I got yelled at. Um, and then uh, I think, I don't know, because of the way I look, I think a lot of people... I'm a, I'm a straight white dude, and I look, I think, exactly like that. And I think a lot of people, especially in these times, kind of um, will project things onto me. And when I was, like, when I was younger, when, like, all this stuff, like, kind of was just starting to kind of come into our generation i uh i carried a lot of it like I, when they would project stuff onto me i'd get like oh my god i am a monster i am a bad person uh mm -hmm. so that was really hard for me a bit and like you know when we're our ego is faced with like either hating yourself and being a villain or defending yourself uh like it it it, it, it tries to survive and it'll defend itself so then there's some natural like unconscious pushback around that stuff mm -hmm. so that's i mean maybe like four to six years ago, that's where like my whole thing of like that, the word feminist, feminism, uh, carried that weight. And it was just because of the way it was introduced to me. But I mean, I, I, I'm a feminist. I, I have a mother and I, I love her to death and I have a sister and I love her to death. And, and I, I grew up just treating women in the same way that I would treat people. Um, and I think I'm fortunate to have the parents and the upbringing that I did so that this wasn't, uh, an, an issue that I knew about until uh, I knew about it. Yeah, cool. Thanks for verbalizing that. I think that's like... I hope I, I, hope I did a good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So tell us about your life coaching characters and how this came to be for both of you in like a weirdly similar time frame, like how it became part of your creative lives. We should go first. Yeah. Go first? I'll go on this one. Yeah. Uh, so I, like, kind of around this whole time, like, I, I used to be, like, a big, not even a big YouTube star, but, like, I had a YouTube presence, right? And I was part of, like, a big show, and all of that really came crashing down around me, and I had to kind of come up against this, well, who am I if I'm not a YouTube personality? And that drove me to do some soul searching, which eventually, you know, as everyone does, I wound up at a Tony Robbins event, and... Well, cool. so you intentionally signed up and paid the fee and went. I was invited to a Tony Robbins okay, event. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you, but you were, were you actively seeking it out? I guess. No, or? Okay. I just, I, I get these gut feelings, and I've like learned over my life just to trust them. That when it's like it's a little bit fear, a little bit excitement, but there's a lot of yes behind it, and it would be like when I find myself saying, "Well, I would do this if I would do this, but." I, I just remove the second half of that sentence and then I go and I do it. Um, so second up top. Yeah, we're gonna be high fiving a lot. Today. So I wound up at a Tony Robbins event and the only thing I knew about Tony before that was Shallow Hal and I was like, oh, like, well, this is not for real people. This is for broken people. And then I went and like I really liked it. I I like was totally on board with the things that were being shared and the things that were being said. And the spectacle of it all, uh, the how bright the lights were, how loud the music was, and I, I there was still a part of me that was fighting this um, because I didn't want to be one of those people. And I also like any any kind of big personality is is ripe for parody. There's something about everybody that you could caricaturize or or make fun of. And like you know, I, I spent my early twenties and early you know, late teens focusing on comedy. Like I trained my brain to learn and look at the world through comedy. So no wonder when I go to a Tony Robbins event, I'm like, okay, well, like what if he had toilet paper hanging out of his, you know, jeans the entire time? That'd be hysterical. And um, people always ask you like, what do you do? What do you do? And my friend started fucking with me. I could say that word. Oh yeah, yeah. say oh, whatever yeah. you want. Right, so Fuck. Well, thank you. <laughs> my good. friend started fucking with him. Thank you. And. <laughs> Uh, he would, when people would say like, what do you do? He would say, this is my friend Ross. He's a transformational comedian. Mm. <laughs> and 
they were like, oh, uh, that's fascinating. What does that mean? And I had to like, for the first couple, I was like, no, like I'm just a, I'm just a comedian. But then I started being like, well, what would that look like? And um, I, I, I just took a, uh, I got that other gut feeling, which said like, this is your show. Uh, your show is making fun of this stuff. Uh, but I, I also love it. And like, it just, everything kind of like lined up around it where it was like, I love this, but I, there's a part of me that can't take it seriously. I can't be the only one that and clearly I'm not the only one that feels this way. Um, but I was like, there's something here. And even if like it flopped and failed and no one wanted to see it ever again, I'd be like, oh, cool. I explored that path. Um, but any, but I, I did it. And at first I was just doing it as me. Were you ever doing it as, as just you? I was, yeah. And it felt weird. Totally. Like, There's enough of separation. Yeah. Not I, freedom. I couldn't go where I wanted to go yeah. because I was like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't separating my myself from the audience or from the work that I was doing. And it felt too real. Yeah. So I, I had initially wrote down this name. I was like, it needs to be stupid. Like I knew everything about <laughs> this needed to be like incredibly stupid. Otherwise people would think I'm taking this seriously, which I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am, uh, but which I'm not. So I came up with the name Dale Thorhammer and took taking. That's I was a great like, name. Just it's amazing. I thank you. I thought it was just like what's so dumb. I was like Thor and Hammer, and it's shocking to me how people still call him Thornhammer or get the name wrong. And I'm like, no, it's literally Thor's hammer, Thorhammer. <laughs> and I needed like a stupid alpha male masculine name that is like not cool, but it would be really ridiculous for someone to think it's cool. So I chose Dale, which. I, I'm sorry to anyone that's named Dale out there, but it's like like power name Dale, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, also very American. Yes, yeah. very American, <laughs> very alpha, very like. And I'm sure we'll get into talking about masculine and feminine energies, but I always had the idea that my character was so only masculine energy uh, that it, it would be like to to a height and to a degree where it was clearly parody. It's interesting because I've had to since change that, but like that was like always the idea of going into this. It's like I'm going to be toxic masculinity mm-hmm. in the form of guru, and yeah. uh, that that was kind of how the character was birthed. Did you leave Tony Robbins inspired at all? Besides inspired to like do this show, did he? Like- oh, incredibly! Yeah, like it, it changed my life, and and like he's such a showman. He's such a good showman, and he he. It's it's magic. Like I, I don't know if you guys have ever learned anything about magic, but like to the audience, they're like illusions. It's amazing, but to the magician, it's like this is rehearsed. This is sleight of hand. He's doing all of these tricks, and uh, you know, like I think the further you dive into Tony, like the more controversial it kind of gets because yeah. he uh, like. But I look at him as a showman and an aggregate. And he's a translator. He takes all of this esoteric personal development stuff and makes it for mainstream. And I think that like what we're doing is taking that one step forward and making that even that is too esoteric for some people. And we're making it even more mainstream by saying this isn't personal development work. This is a comedy show. Mm-hmm. I call I call Tony Robbins landmark. Uh, I almost called it landmark entertainment, landmark education, MITT, <laughs> even going to a therapist. That is in order to go to something like that. You have to acknowledge that there's something in your life that you want to change and then take the action to go and change it. Mm-hmm. That I call level one. You have to be aware of it. You have to be interested in saying enough is enough. I'm going to do something about this. We're level zero. You don't have to think, okay, I'm going to do something about my life. I'm going to go to a comedy show. You'll just go to a comedy show. (laughs) It's a comedy show. And like one of the things that like, and I've seen Lucia's show a couple times. And one of the things that I've, and I can't wait to hear your your response to all this. But um, one of the things that I've noticed about it is like, our marketing is never like, hey, come and like, you know, come and heal yourself unless it's like it's clearly through a satirical lens. It's clearly a comedy show. The barrier to entry is nil. It's zero. <laughs> you just you there's no fear going in. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed this in my audiences is that they're so much more willing to play along because it's a yes. bit. And so, like, I have people at my show, like, literally doing incantations, which is screaming, you know, I am powerful or whatever word you want. Um, And, you know, there's a certain element of like, okay, well, am I really going to look this dumb uh, doing it for real? But when everyone's like, oh, this is a bit, we're just goofing around. 
then they'll do it. Comedy's the Trojan horse. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We are Trojan horsing uh, awesome. these people, and yeah. it's. I hope. I hope people listening will still come see the shows now that we're revealing all the magician secrets. But yeah. that was that was the inspiration um, initially, and then I realized it as I was doing what I was doing, and then I just kind of like adjusted accordingly as I saw it. Well, Lucia, how did you come to Talia? How did right. Talia come to you? So, yeah, this is a so this sort of begins at my birth. Uh, so, <laughs> my father is like an Italian buck teeth, uh, kind of looked like Borat when he arrived here, super thick accent. Does your dad really look like Borat? He does. Well, he did. He in the seventies. He got. Right. He since has cut his hair shorter and gotten braces, but um, so now he's a little bit more like you know. Um, but anyway, so he comes to New York City. He sees like two women sign looking for one man sign on a street corner in New York. Moves in with my mother. My mother is an Irish woman from New Jersey. Nothing is funny. Um, <laughs> she is uh, like she her career has been in women's leadership. So she's been 1986 the year I was born. Don't tell anybody. She started a women's leadership company where she's been a coach and a women's leadership trainer um, working in the organizations um, for 30 years now. And, uh, my dad is just like, nothing is serious. He like, he, he would put like Confederate flag stickers on her car when she went to go to diversity <laughs> conferences. Cause he thought Holy it was so shit. funny. Yeah. So like, he was always like, you're selling hot air. And he thought it was hilarious. Um, so <laughs> being bred of these two, like I am a comedian and I also like have all the, all the same like kind of wiring that my mom has. And like, she definitely like is in me. So I started working for her and over the years, like now I'm a program designer, a keynote speaker and a coach and all this through my mother's company. So we work together, which is quite a women's leadership journey. Wow. I gotta tell you working with your mom and sharing hotel rooms. God bless this lady. <laughs> um, but, uh, so when I first graduated college, I was like working for my mother and I was also pursuing my comedy. And I thought of this life coach character and I made a blog and my mom called me and was like, this is a fireable offense. How dare you make fun of what we do? Whoa. So put that on the back burner, got Crohn's disease recovered. Now, you know what, babies, I got to live my life. If I'm going to be healthy and free, I got to live it. I got to express it, myself. <laughs> So at my brother's wedding, actually, like five years ago, I was playing around with this guy, and we came up with this character, Talia, Talia like it is. I just Talia like it is. And Sharon information. She just shares information. <laughs> so we were, like, playing with these characters all night. Then I, I'm a living. I'm a coach. Years pass. I see the Tony Robbins Netflix documentary. And I had the same thought that Ross had. I was like, this man is a magician. He is a showman. And if I were to just take everything he's doing with the same belief in my head that I can be the fixer of all and let them believe because I believe it so much, but then like take it over the edge into comedy. So I made the show basically like watch the documentary ad nauseum and then I just did the bits basically that he does in repetition. You can like watch him on the internet like same bits, you know? So I just did those bits and did live coaching with them and created the Tony Robbins Netflix special special, which is Talia Brava having watched the show once. Uh, <laughs> and then after that, Talia Brava has like definitely become my alter ego. And I've done Wow So Alive, Women Lead Now, Think Good on the Law of Attraction, and most recently, uh, Healed as Fuck. Because I did Vipassana, I got healed as fuck. And while sitting there, I wrote a show about it. So... That's the circus, man. And <laughs> and now I'm moving towards um, – I want to just, like, cut out all the, like, crazy from my life because it's just putting on this production without a director and a producer and doing everything has become really hard, and I'm lazy. So Talia is going – she's retired from comedy. She's just doing Talia Like It Is, Intimate Evenings right now, which will be just talks and then one-on-one -on -one coaching, similar to an Abraham Hicks type event. Wow. wow. I mean, how does your mom feel now? That's the funny thing is she's like, um, she's kind of a, a writer. So she she edits the past. So she doesn't remember telling me I couldn't do this. She thinks it's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's amazing. Great. It's great when you're successful. And then like, on the, at least for like my family, like my mom is like, maybe you should become a teacher. And then like, now that it's like doing something, she's like, I always knew you'd make it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're so moms. Funny. Yeah, moms. I also think to be honest, like to give them credit, I think 
really like what I found is that when we're clear, everyone around us is like, yep, keep on keeping on. Mm -hmm. But when we're like actually omitting like a sense of not being clear on something and sort of half putting our feet out, everyone around us will tell us like horrible idea. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. It wasn't until like I got clear and certain that this is something because like but that's part of like being a comedian being an artist is the the uncertainty of it all i don't know if this will work but i'm going into it anyway if you were always certain of what you would do like if what you would do would work two things would happen either you're uh clairvoyant or you're still working at pf chang's and you're a liar or yeah just a sociopath who's like no feelings we have to be vulnerable (laughs) thank you is that talia (laughs) I uh, know that was Lucia. That was Lucia. <laughs> Talia's not really into vulnerability. She's more into profit margins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I will say that Lucia's show has some of the best writing. Like, where I'm just, like, watching this thing and being like, I fucking wish I wrote that joke. It's so good. <laughs> Thank you, baby. That's nice. That's, like, the greatest compliment a comedian can get, mm-hmm. I think. Do you improv a lot in the show? I watched, I've watched clips, and I see you're like interacting very similar like to the WOM, that you like have people come up and participate. So yeah. are you improvising a fair amount? Or? I improvise a fair amount. Um, yeah, it's like there's, there's good chunks that are written, um, and then there's the all the play with the audience, you know, is like a setup, but then you play with the audience, like make out. Do you yes. make out with people? In the I audience? made out with a guy to heal his mom. So it was. At, <laughs> <laughs> it was at Heal This no Fuck. Ball. And I just, you know, I really laid out that if you you can feel like you're healed as fuck, but you are literally or proverbially drinking that bitch's titty juice, that bitch being your mom. So you got to heal your mom first. So I brought him up. I offered to call his mother and have him like express his love to her. He had a real sick relationship, couldn't call his mom. So I just like you know, leaned in. I was like, you want to make out? He was like, yes, we made out. And then I explained to him that I'm every woman. He just made out with his mother and it was healed. I am speechless. (laughs) I, so I encounter some problems being a man doing this show because, so I just did this show up in San Francisco and it's like a trial run to see if they want to have something a little bit more. And I have this one part of the show where I, I bring up somebody onto stage and I wind up getting them into a chair and then giving them a back massage. Um, and I've, I've, I've learned I can't do this with women. Um, because they, unless they're like really feeling safe, it's a very awkward experience for the audience. And, and the number one thing is the audience has to feel safe. Otherwise they won't laugh. They won't enjoy the show. The, the audience needs to be all on the same page. Um, and so I, I've learned you only do it with a man. And so I would bring up a man, but even in doing it with a man, uh, the theater owner was like, well, I have to make sure that this isn't sexual harassment. So can you wow. send me a video? And, and I was like, yeah, like, like. Granted, the song that is playing while I do it is Marvin Gaye's "Let's Get yeah, It On." I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but sexual misconduct can sometimes be funny. Sorry, that, that was my character. It wasn't me. Yeah, oh, yeah. Tally can say that. Yeah. Well, do you lay out the ground rules? Like, do you explain what's going to happen before Never. it happens? No, no. I, okay. I mean, like, uh, I, I, I feel like I communicate to the audience at least before that part, as I say, like, this is a very sacred ritual that I learned in India. Yeah. Um, and I, I get them like kind of questioning what the hell's about to happen because then I guide them through a bit of a chakra clearing exercise. Um, and then like it pivots into like a, a nice massage fest wherein I get everybody massaging each other. Um, but it's, I mean, like I, I like to feel like I have a good thermometer of when people feel safe and when people don't. And I'm for that part, because it's such a big part of the show, I have to choose an audience member that's on board. So before I even bring them up, I I always like, you know, I'm playing with audience interaction before that. And then I'm seeing who's playing the most. And then I'm like, okay, this dude's down to down to clown, as I call it. And I bring him up on stage because like that guy gets fucked with a fair amount. I have him say his his actual dream, like the thing that he really wants to accomplish in this world out loud on stage in front of a, an audience of 100 people. And then I, uh, I let the audience judge whether or not they believe him. And then I make him say it until they believe him. And then we celebrate, and that's a very Holy like shit. it. It's like it's a lot of fun because the audience is like this. This must be a plant, or like who who is this man? But it's like it's powerful, and it's the same type of stuff that like when you're at a legitimate Tony Robbins seminar that like keeps you riveted. Um, 
And like at the show in San Francisco, it was great. This guy, like, he was like, "Can I? Can I enter? Can I run on the stage?" Mm. So I gave him like with my tech guy, like we gave him like a big lights right. fanfare entry. <laughs> that's awesome. And it brought the whole place down. It was like an amazing experience. But that's like where the improv comes in. Is like you can't stick too closely to a script, or you'll lose those beautiful moments that make mm. doing a live show, doing a live show. Like otherwise, you just watch it on video. Yeah. Speak to that. Yes, please. So about that too, I feel like actually I I challenge myself to be the best coach I possibly can through this lens of an idiot. You know? So like, yeah, so so that is the improv is like actually like feeling and being with that person in that moment, like an, a true intervention with them the best coach I can possibly be. She's just a total narcissist. So it's going to go wrong. And of course they're the back of your head. You're going for the laugh ultimately. But like the, I do hope and, and feel like people have come to, to the experiences, both of ours and like actually walked out like with real, real like ahas and insights. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the best things I've ever gotten is like, like the feedback on the show from people that have come have said like, I'm, I, I feel oddly good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they better like the way I end my show is yeah. is a little bit of um, neuro linguistic programming where like I'll just say it like everyone's chanting I fucking love myself at the top of their lungs which I don't care who you are if you say it loud enough and enough times in full body in a room full of people your subconscious is going to believe it a little bit and you're just going to feel better uh, so it's like like it's cheating almost it's cheating but it's so wonderful because. Why do we go to comedy shows at all is to escape, to feel a little bit better about what's going on, to, to totally. feel therapy. Uplifted. It's therapy. If you're addicted to comedy, it's your therapy. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So it's like, like I, that's why I love doing this because it's like, it's, it's a creative exercise. Don't you agree? Where it's like, how can I be funny and dumb, but meaningful at the same time? And I was nodding my head ferociously when you were like, I'm in character, but I'm genuinely trying to be the best coach that I possibly can. Yeah. And sometimes when people in my life ask me for advice, because I do I do some facilitation like as Ross, um, which is always weird because I'm like as Ross, I'm I'm like, OK, well, like, do I overstep my bounds here as Dale? He always oversteps his bounds and he's always 100 percent certain that you are amazing. Yeah. And. <laughs> Uh, like being able to like interrupt people like and just jump down their throats with positivity in a way that Ross would never do. But yeah. Dale as a character, like plausible deniability, totally. one of my favorite lines is, I, you know, I look them deep in their eye whenever they're like, you know, because it's uncomfortable up on that stage. And I go, look, I don't want you to be who you think you are. I want you to be who I think you are. And then I turn them to the audience and I make them say it again. And it's like, again, like allowing them to disassociate from who they are. So they get to choose their own name up on that stage, just like I've chosen Dale Thorhammer. Yeah. Um, just can I circle back to the Tony Robbins thing about yeah. the toxic masculinity that you were referring to with the original idea for the character? Yeah. So when I spent a summer being like doing the Tony Robbins show and emulating Tony, I was like, I had a pull-up bar in my house trying to do a pull-up, never could do it. But like <laughs> there's something about like that um, energy that is kind of like does veer on the on the side of toxic masculinity. Like I know, I am certain I can overpower my body rather than the humility of like my body has things to teach me. There are things I don't understand in the universe. So um, that summer, like doing that, and I had my boyfriend in the show, and I thought like that was probably the worst thing you could ever do for a relationship with a man <laughs> is like have him be like my my uh, subservient boyfriend um, while I just overpowered him with like my type A masculine side of myself. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I think that I think that is an interesting thing that came through in working with the Tony Robbins like. Um, ideas and it's all about power and overcoming oh it's so interesting because like so i'm i'm single but when i do the show uh i mean i'm, I'm still single when i do the show but i mean like the <laughs> the energy shifts in the room and while i'm like i'm playing this character of this like hyper like i feel the feminine attraction in people that i'm like i had a crush on you and you showed no interest but here i am on stage as dale <laughs> thorhammer and all of a sudden like i can i can feel that they're getting giddy it's very, it's, it's, I have the total our, opposite. Our biology is super sad because I played a really, really stupid version of Snow White and men would like line up afterwards to talk to me. Just like playing the <laughs> dumbest oh version God. of myself. Yeah, our biology is fucked up. Yeah, man. we're lizard brains. We are yeah. just like, like completely, and I think like one of the things I'm exploring right now in my own life is how do you be of this world, but, or be in the world, but not of it, which is like, like, I, I, 
I have this lizard brain, and is the goal to not use the lizard brain or not get the joys of having the lizard brain, or is the goal to be aware of it and and choose when to go into lizard mode or, or animal mode and choose when to That's not? That's that ambient sex. You think you're a lizard. Also, like Tony <laughs> Robbins in general, just makes me think of Tom Cruise and Magnolia. Like every time, yeah. I just and yeah. then I, and then also my lizard brain is like, oh yeah, for like both of them. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> there's no denying that polarity exists, and like I think it's like one of the things I've been really focusing on. And I think the reason why you even asked me to come on this podcast was around like dating and relationships today, and is there room for masculine energy, uh, and if so. At what level does the masculine energy need to be and what does higher level masculine energy look like? Mm-hmm. And that's just been something that I've been exploring for like the past couple months and, and diving into. And it's so confusing. And, and the thing that I've come up with is that I wonder if there's another like like ingredient more than just masculine and feminine, because I know 100 percent I am not one, uh, only masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And I think the healthiest people are like the most balanced between those two. And I think that's the beauty of the time we live in is that men and women are getting to experience and, and be in touch and awaken both sides of themselves. Gender is over. (laughs) So this is all so. Wait, hold on. I want to come back to that because do you really want that? I want people to, I definitely want people to be free to explore whatever gender they want without judgment. But am I attracted to traditional masculine energy and do I want masculine energy to go away? Yes, I am. And no, I don't want it to go away. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, because like, I, I, like one of the things that comes up for me whenever I talk about like, you know, equality is I just want people to have the freedom. I want people to have the freedom to explore what they want to explore without judgment, just like you said, and and to be free to be in their truest selves. And that's why, like, when I when I look at the the issues that are coming up between, like, a lot of the conversations, well, men do this, well, men do this, well, men do this, and I'm like, well, you know, the numbers don't lie. You're right about it. Um, but in in like letting people like be who they want to be. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this anymore. I well, totally I think, lost my thought. I think like yeah. like the masculine feminine energy for me is like a really healthy way to look at it rather than men and women. Um, and like for me, I've had to come across my own biases, like dating a very sensitive man in the last year. And like I would be like, oh, you're not supposed to feel that way. I'm the sensitive one and you take care of my emotions. I'm like, where is that story? Or like, you know, needing to be treated like a princess or like things that are like these stories are not just they don't affect they affect all of us. It's like the whole world is affected by the oceans being sick. And we are all affected by any stereotype we have about any kind of person. 100%. And one of the things that I've been learning lately is, is I read David Data way, David Data's book, way of the superior man. Have you read that one? I I love it because it woke something up inside of me. And it was like that to me is high level masculinity because highest level masculinity is in service. It's to be in service. It's to be to giving, to be strong, to be uh, a grounding force. And the feminine energy is, you know, very flowing. And in fact, in my show, because people got so triggered by the words masculine and feminine, I changed it to grounding and flowing energy. Yeah. Um, just because I'm, I think it's something worth exploring. And then if we remove the gender stigma from it, um, that maybe people would be more comfortable exploring their flowing energy, exploring the grounding energy, the elements yeah, of Yeah, these that. men need to learn how to move their hips, you know? They're all stiff standing in the corner at the club. Yeah, move those hips. Shake it around, honey. <laughs> and it's, Flow. It, but but Flow. the grounding energy is like being like, like let's talk about emotions. I watched this movie called The Work, and it's about like these men in prisons that are going through kind of personal development work in these circles. And the, you know, the people that have been through it and have unlocked these things, you'd see these men that are that are stifling their urge to cry. And he goes, no, we cry like a man. You put your head back and you show your tears. Mm. And I loved that. And there's a way to cry and show emotion in masculinity that, and we were talking like stuff like this needs to be taught in schools where it's like, we have no initiation into manhood for our culture. We've, that's why I think we have a lot of like Harvey Weinstein's and Donald Trump's where there are these, these are, um, 
let's call them like they have the chromosomes for men, right? But they're still just little boys. Mm -hmm. And all of their behavior, they've never had to become men because things have been so cushy and playful that they've never had a call into true higher level masculinity. They've never had to. So that's what I, I my limited knowledge of all of this, that's my they assumption. They should date Italia Brava to learn how to um, serve. They need to get healed. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> Talia Brava would like chain them up and beat the fuck out of them. No, Talia's more like I'm gonna empower you to know my needs and take care of them. Mm. So huh. you know she's not gonna. Yeah. So if I well this I want to talk about two things real quick. Did you guys read the um, Ian Michael Black in the New York Times? The boys are not all right. I, I saw it. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, it just speaks to a lot of what you were just talking about. And I want to do a full podcast kind of exploring, um, you know, the, the other side of the coin of feminism, which is how, how can feminism heal men mm -hmm. and heal masculinity? Yeah. Oh, um, so much. Yeah. I mean, we like I the most I, I think I grew in one conversation. It was a very long conversation. But the woman I was talking with was incredibly patient, kind and loving towards me. And didn't push back against my thoughts, but rather it was like a judo thing. It was around free the nipple, mm -hmm. because I was like, I, I was like, no, like they, they, you know, they shouldn't. They're different, and, uh, <laughs> and then they're too pointy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like it was, it was this conversation where she just like she just kept asking why, 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 and then the more like like it was like this like let's call it glitter pouring out of a bottle like eventually i just ran out of Wait, things so to sorry. say was she topless during this conversation I, we were on the phone so i assume yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh like it was one of those things and i realized like what i didn't like was actually the video that i saw that talked about freeing the nipple was the anger that was behind the conversation that i saw in the video and again we talk about the ego and it, it has to push back to survive and and that type of anger is a very masculine you know type of anger and masculine energy goes head to head and they dig in their heels and they they stick harder and so that's what was going on with me but then when my friend was talking with me in this very like loving nurturing way i stopped fighting it as much and i was able to come around it, and i was like wow like you should teach people how to talk to idiots yeah. You know what? That's actually so. My mom's work in inclusion, like thirty years ago, she was like, "Okay, if we put people in a room and like everyone just points at each other and tells them what they're doing to each other, that's like offensive." People walk out of the room feeling like shit, and they have worse relationships. So, like, she's known this from the very beginning. And so, we just did a training in San Diego last week, and I was able to bring a bunch of my comedy friends and do like role plays and like that were comedic and fun. So they were laughing at the awkward things that happen at work. Um, but then also we like give them training to be able to have conversations. And the whole thing is fostering this towards mindset, towards reward rather than away from threat and being able to be open to the other person and to learn more because when we're actually like when we're in threat mode, our learning centers shut down. So like that experience is like a super biological real thing that happens of we're like, okay, well you're attacking me. So I'm just shutting down and I'm not open to any new information or any new ways of thinking. And so first it's like, acknowledging that we're all humans we all have biases and like that that's just that's just human nature and then letting people feel the freedom of that and then finding ways to like be in that humility of curiosity with each other and this kind of brings me back to where i wanted to circle the conversation which was like what is is good and helpful and earnest and real about the work you're doing in your comedy and and your thoughts on on self-help and and motivation and all of that cool yeah okay, also like on. how many books did you guys read before you yeah. watched on this journey i mean honestly I, it's like i'm definitely a junkie for this and ross probably can concur like it's i have like multiple books at a time that i'm reading um and i yeah i feel like this is like very inherent in both of us it wasn't like i want to do a show so i'm gonna start researching this it's like it's like a, a fixation and a probably obsession um with personal growth as much as I hate that word, it sounds like a euphemism. Um, <laughs> it's just like, it's just icky. Um, it just sounds like you have too much money, which I, which I don't. I definitely don't. But um, I, so I think for me, the borderline between being in the service and then going over into being a hack and, a, and using people, which a lot of people are, um, for me is empowering versus false empowerment with really like, you need me. And I feel like we were just talking about the Leslie Kahn thing earlier and 
Like this is actually, this is where you sign the deal with the devil is when your client that you're coaching or um, the student you have says, oh my gosh, you got me this thing. And you say, yes, thank you. I'm glad I did. I'm so proud because that is where the manipulation begins. And as a coach, I have to catch myself when someone's like, thank you for helping my career. I have to circle back and say, you know, I did not do that. Mm -hmm. You did that. Um, and that's why I like the word midwifey, which I mean, I'm sorry, midwifey. Um, you know, so I think that that's, that's the, that's the borderline and anyone who is empowering people, amazing. Um, and then I think, I think we all have to be wary of those whose message is, you know, sign up for my, um, $100,000 investment to make uh, $500,000 on your next book, even yeah. if you've never written before, which is constant on the YouTube. Yeah. Like we, we found a stat from Inc, which was, it was a couple years old. So like four years ago or something, uh, this was an $11 billion industry. So it's even bigger now, obviously. And then the headline was like very catchy in this article. It was like 14 million Americans categorize themselves as depressed. So the big secret is that like the self-help personal growth industry does not want you to be happy. Oh my God. Like they just don't yeah, like yeah. they, it's, it's an $11 billion dollar for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the whole idea of like, you're, you're broken. You need, you need fixing, you need fixing, you need fixing, you know? So it's like you give everything a name and everything a disorder and then everyone needs to pay you. And a lot of people, like if you look at like the, the, the training you get and if you want to become somebody in this field people you know it's the obvious thing you want somebody who's like rich and uh, and unhappy and you want to fix the problem it's the way capitalism works give them a, a reason like figure out what their insecurity is and then write a book about it and that's what a lot of people do and even honestly even comedians do that they're like okay what's my neurosis because someone else has that neurosis i'll talk about the neurosis and then they'll resonate with me and it's just like this negativity loop that i'm super not interested in well that was why like i i vowed years ago that i wasn't going to be a depressed comedian like i have a, a, a like a really solid familial foundation to the point where like when i was coming up in comedy i was like oh like my parents really fucked me up by not being <laughs> fucked up um but like i was like well why do i have to be a negative Nancy. And like w when I was like writing bits, it was like, oh, this is so. And I was like, okay, well, like there's always another side of that coin. And I wound up rewriting some of my jokes instead of being like, how awful is this to how great is this? And I was able to keep a lot of my punchlines, but my setups were different. And it was a much more uplifting uh, way of looking things. I felt good. And it's like, look, if you're financially or emotionally rewarded for going dark and for getting depressed, which a lot of us are. <laughs> Um, you're going to go there subconsciously because that's where you get love from. And and I get love from, you know, like being like, uh, you know, like being jovial. And like, so like, <laughs> like my brain is wired. We like look at us as like, just like psychology. My, my, I've always received love from my parents for being generous, open-minded, a good listener, um, selfless. Not to say that I am those things because, like, I remember a lot of the things that caused me pain when I was younger was due to selfishness. And I had to, like, relearn how to stand up for myself because I would be become like the other side of that is martyrdom. Mm. Uh, so it's like. Never had that problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like if we look at the the psyche of, of comedians who, like, they get up on stage and they complain about their life and they yell and they get angry and people love them for it and they feel great afterwards. And why wouldn't they go there? Yeah. Just to add on to that, I used to like get all of my comedy out of talking about like how horrible I was and um, obsessive with men. And yes, I am horrible and obsessive with men. But I started to realize like, oh, I am creating more of this. So it really is like a thing you have to decide. Do I want to ruin my life because I have some belief in me that I can only be funny if I go to the lowest common denominator in the room and just like get my laughs there? Or do I want to like live a, a beautiful life and like discover the challenge? Because it is more challenging, I think, to find like comedy and things that aren't just super depressing it's, yeah. it's, comedy well, doesn't have to be tragedy it doesn't I mean but like especially like if you look at like what's going on in the world right now comedy is doing so well because people need to be uplifted and it's being made fun of like the, the awful things I want to point something out to you that like uh, you could either call it being obsessed with men or you could see the good in men so it's not like I'm obsessed with men I'm just obsessed with my fantasies but I'm learning I'm, I'm getting over it I'm actually really evolving I'm you told me today. Yes. Should I share? I say yes. Okay. So 
I have a history, and maybe just give me an amen, ladies, if you resonate. Even amen. Less, you might, you might resonate. You're already resonating. Yeah. Is like I have a history of sort of fantasy, live, fantasy um, romance. So like me I, too. Yes, Lindsay. Yeah. Really, I'm gonna go to Lindsay's <laughs> amen here. Shit. I'm a little. I'm a little more. My energy is a little more grounded than Good flowy thing. in terms of relationships. Good for you. Go on. Well, amen, no, it's sister. bad for my emotional life, but okay. continue. So. You know, like my whole life, I had a crush on the same guy, like from second grade through college, and he stayed away from me because I was like so, I was just so deeply. But so, what I've realized though is like, I am feeling full of love, and I don't realize that I'm a fucking universe. So, I just projected onto some unforeseen dude who's like, I don't know why you're obsessed with me. So, I had a very big, pretty like substantial crush and it wasn't obsessive, but it was enough where I was like, you know, like excited about it. And I was like, I just felt like I can't do this. I can't play this fantasy game. I have to just like actually live in reality. So I told him, I picked up the phone and I said, I have a crush on you, which is like uh, something I've never done in my entire life. So brave. For real though. I was so nervous and I'm not, I was, I was more nervous than ever being on stage. Like this was, that's real life, not fake life. And he doesn't have a crush on me, but it was like the most. He's crazy. <laughs> Thank you. He's gay. He's fucked yeah. up. He's a sociopath. <laughs> WebMD him. He's a narcissist. But no, he's totally sane and doesn't have a crush on me. <laughs> Shocking. But um, it was actually just for me. And I knew it was for me. And that's why I could do it. Because I was like, I'm not doing it for the response. I'm doing it because I need to know that I can live in reality. And like I can face whatever feelings and sensations in my body rather than denying them and just staying in my head. Amen. Amen. So did it set you free as soon as he said that he didn't like you back? Yes. I mean, the next morning I woke up, I was slightly disappointed, but that little tiny like seed of disappointment, a much bigger doorway opened in my brain where I was like, I'm free of this. I'm free. I can, I can say what I want. Mm. Yeah. When I, I mean like I, when I'm like obsessed with a, a, a woman, I'll pursue them. And like, one thing that comes to mind is like I fell in love with this girl, um, like to the point where I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I'm going to marry this woman. And she like checked off like a bunch of boxes. The boxes they always work. The boxes, <laughs> um, and like I like took her out, and things were unclear. And then I I sat her down like one one night after like we were like at some like friend's house, and I was like, "Look, I really like you." And I, I can't tell if you like me back. I don't know if you haven't thought about it or whatever. Uh, or, but I'd like for you to like think about it. And if it's something that you're interested in, like I'd like to take you out. I'd like to marry you. I'd like to marry you. <laughs> yeah, if I'd something like that you're interested Kate. in, I have two rings. We and can a, go to Las Vegas right now. <laughs> so uh, she, like, I could tell was like terrified of this situation. And, but like, I, like, she couldn't dodge texts or pretend that she didn't receive them anymore. Like, this was like a very clear ask. Uh, and she's like, I don't think of you in that way. And I was like, okay, um, cool. Like, thank you for telling me. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you hear the the stories of like, well, like the persistence and the the, the pursuit. So I did, and I persisted, and I pursued. Um, always very like openly, like like, look, I still have a crush on you. Um, like, and and I'm here for you in whatever way you want me. Uh, so like if that ever changes, you just let me know. And like that started to like weigh on her after a while yeah. until she like snapped at me. And it was the best thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life because like <laughs> she finally was like, I never want to talk to you about this ever again, yeah. which gave me finality. And I felt like in that moment, whoosh, a weight like lifted off of me and I was free. Um, and, and so was she from me, you know? So Ross, <laughs> I, ha I hate to drop a huge bomb in this room. Drop it. That that myth that men need to pursue and pursue and pursue and pursue is point blank the seed of rape culture in a society. And it's not your fault. It's no one's fault. That's what we live in. Yes, that is that the, is the that's world the we live in. That's yeah. the world we live in. And I, I want to just, just continue on with this because women are taught from a very young age to be nice and pleasing. And men are taught to keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. Women are taught to not ask. That's why we don't get fucking promotions. And that's why the pay disparity exists. There's a book called Women Don't Ask, literally about women not asking. So not your fault. I'm not blaming you at all. This is a society we live in. And I think we're evolving out of it, which is beautiful. Even in your story is so beautiful. And women being taught to be pleasing. I don't know a single woman my age, our age, who didn't go through her young 20s having horrible experiences because we're not able to say, hey, dude, I don't even want you in my apartment. 
Yeah. Like that. I still really have trouble saying no. Really, it's hard for me. I'm working Same. on it. So I because I I hear that it's so interesting because it's like right now my brain is like, well, what about this? What about that? Like my brain gave me like six examples. Of course, because like that's how you were raised. But it's also not just from movies and TV shows. Granted, a large part of it was, but I have a friend who's married to a woman and they have a kid and like his whole thing was like he he was just like there for and it took him years right because also some women too i, I know i know married i hear you because yeah. i also know married couples who are like when i first met my person i'm married to i was not interested in them and it's like biology and time and knowing somebody more than like from a fucking app is weird right like we live in a weird time for dating so i hear you i hear your side too but like wait but so like because like if i i'm so interested in this like i feel like yeah i think the thing is the patience is with being there the patience with being wherever the two people are comfortable and and the humility to say i don't define the terms of how this relationship shapes out so even in my example with this guy who doesn't like me which is insane (laughs) so Uh, i don't think he's not really a meditation teacher because anyone who's really meditating would feel that they feel between us which is everyone has sexual energy with me is the thing um (laughs) i mean i'm feeling that right now thank you yeah you're welcome you too so so even with this, it's like, I think what it is, is like having the humility to accept that we can, one person doesn't define the dynamic between the two. That's the living thing between the two. So even even in your story of this man who had so many years, I'm assuming and thinking that maybe he was just able to release his agenda and then just be in the relationship as it evolved and it evolved into this. I got, you know? I mean, like, I have to have another conversation with him. And I think also <laughs> I have to have a conversation with his wife. Because, yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's like, a, you should, that's take the one that. I, I want to watch that. Comment. I know, that's right? That's fascinating. Yeah, because, like, like, and, and mind you, like, when I was, like, pursuing this woman, it was never, like, romantic gestures. I would, like, just be, like, like, we'd be hanging out and I'd be, like, oh, this is really hard for me because I'm so very in love with you. Yes. And it was, like, it, it was, it was weird, but I don't think I ever, and she'll know better than I did, um, if, like, I was, like, putting pressure on her, anything more that, like, this is going to happen whether you like it or not. Because I don't think that was ever something I wanted. Because one of the things that I want as a man is to be fucking, like, wanted. And I was like, look, of if course. you're not crazy about me, then you're not the one for me. Yeah. And I think those words came out of my mouth verbatim uh, a bunch of times. Uh but it was just the fact that like I couldn't let it go that caused her to eventually be able to. Because uh, I've yeah. been on the other side of that, and with the nicest, kindest, most you know, gentle, non-aggressive dude. But just knowing that that in his mind, if there was, if I gave him anything that was like a tiny bit past friendship. Like I, I just always, I could never be my full self because I was worried that if I was my full self, that that would be like misunderstood. Yes. And it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing to remember too, is that in our society at this point, hopefully the next generation is like so much further beyond us, but for a woman to say no, there's like an iceberg of no's underneath it. Like one no is a thousand no's. So if you hear it once, you heard it a thousand times because it's so hard for us to, to do that. Like, and I think, I think personally I'm moving beyond that. And I think we, we all are, you know, and I hope that the next generation doesn't have this trouble, but I feel like it's definitely societally ingrained that it's difficult for women to say no. Well, it's interesting because right now I'm a woman on Tinder. Um, I borrowed, yeah, I borrowed, I asked, like people like got really upset about this. Um, and I'm still kind of in a weird gray area around it, but I had conversations with a friend around how do you reject a man? How do you say no in a way in which they'll listen? And for me, like like the the times that I've been like going out on dates with women and they're like, I'm not interested, but you seem really sweet. I go, okay, great. And like I, I say thank you for being straightforward and then our, our relationship is done. Um, but they're like, no, they get aggressive. They say, fuck you. They send death threats. And I'm like, okay, like I want to I wanna experience this. Not that I don't believe it, but I want to be on the receiving end of it because there's a difference between believing something and feeling it. And I wanted to be like, okay, like I want to see A, with my with my you know, experiences as a man, how would I try and get out of this and let me feel how impossible it is? So I posted on Facebook and I said, I want to try this experiment. Um, Is there any woman that doesn't live in LA that I can borrow their photos to set up an account? And my friend uh, allowed me to use her photos and like, God, she's a bombshell and I'm getting like 99% matches. It's insane. Um, But 
so far I'm men have fascinated I know yeah. yeah I feel like you're like living you're actually like this is becoming way more for your pleasure you're like I love being a lady who's inside yeah I'm free <laughs> um, <laughs> finally the real me um, but yeah no it was like one of those things where like I actually I'm like I'm not good at this because like I when I'm talking to these guys I'm like oh you fuck like I'm there's zero interest at all from the get go um, so I'm like, I need a woman to like send the messages until it gets wrong, until it gets bad, and then I want to take over. Um, but the one Wait, thing. What do you I, mean by bad? Like, like when the the whatever kind of a like a, you're a bitch. Yeah. Thanks whenever, for whenever the conversation kind of, goes like that's right. bad, or, or like, like, will you suck my dick type of stuff too? Or yeah, yeah. Like, well, okay. actually, so one guy was like, hey, let's meet up, and I was like, whoa, like a little soon for me, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and like another guy's like, yeah, like like what are you doing? Like there's one dude that's so persistent. Like I I ended things with him, right? I was like, <laughs> this is the best. Yeah, I my conversation. He was like, I'm confused because like you seem like you were open to something, but now you're telling me that you're not. And I was like, well, like and I had to, you know, it's it's hard because it's all a lie, so I can't be authentic with him. But I'm like, look, like I just got out of a relationship, and I'm like, I think I jumped on this thing a little bit too early. Um, thank you for understanding. It's like, I, I didn't even like let him say, I understand. I just said, thank you for understanding. Mm. And then he's like, so I don't get it. You don't think that men and women can be friends. And I'm like, oh, you sneaky piece <laughs> of shit. Because yeah, I know what he's going that's for. What, that's like the, that's the fucking, you and have I was to like, tie yourself in knots to get out of these yeah, situations. But so I was just like, I held my ground yeah. and I was like, not that I'm just not interested. Thank you so much for understanding. As I kept driving home, the thank you, the thank you, the thank you. And like, almost like, what would make me feel good is if I was being uplifted or praised for the behavior of which people wanted me to have, right? So if I could feel like a big, that's strong like, man. That's like dog training 101. Yeah, a little so, bit. Yeah. So yeah. Tali has been thinking about this a lot with dealing with men is that first of all, you just have to find your tone. Sit really low. Sit. And then meet. Give them meats, which is male ego aggrandizing treats. <laughs> Tali is one. What is What is a meat? Well, a meat could be... Thank you, like in this scenario, she writes to the man, thank you for having the depth of empathy to understand that I need space right now in my sphere and you will gently go off away. Thank you for that. And you're amazing and unique and you're special and should make more money than other people. This is... Great ending, but everything up until that is like legitimate. If they if people use that verbatim, I think they'd have a higher success rate of of detaching of like uh, the the because like one of the things that like I I get positive reinforcement throughout my entire life for being a, a good man, respectful man, and it feeds me. It feeds me. It feeds my brain. So if I could, from you know, pretending to be a woman, if I'm like, look, like you know, like I really appreciate so much. Like you're so aware. You're so woke. And like, you know, you know, not a lot of other men would like be able to let this go. And I really appreciate that you're at the level where you could. So you're talking about emo- women doing a lot of emotional labor right now. Why don't you do that for yourself, Rossi? Uh, when you're in the animal brain, it's a little hard. Well, get out of your animal brain. You're a whole evolved human. You have all sides. But I don't. But I can only control myself. If that makes sense. So, so yeah, I, I try and do this, but I'm talking about like you know Joe Schmo that I'm talking to on Tinder right now. I can't control as Haley, who I oh, called her. Oh, in getting the response. Yes. I see what you're saying. In turn, and and like like right now, I'm like giving feedback to those that are having trouble, like you know, Detach. uh, detaching or like getting out of the the hooks of uh, like conversation on Tinder. Also, unmatch. If they get too bad, you yeah. there's literally a feature that's like unmatch. And so black. I, I want to give black. you. One heads up, though, about, you know, being a fake personality on Tinder. First of all, I love this whole thing. Second, though, is that I was catfished by a man pretending to be a fireman when I was slightly or maybe much more uh, vulnerable a few years ago in my young 20s. Let's say that was a few years ago. Um, <laughs> and um, Yesterday. Yesterday, my young 20s. But I, I matched with him. He was a fireman. We were talking. I told my mother I met my dream man. Oh, shit. We were FaceTime convoing. I asked him to his face. I said, is that, are you a fireman or is that you in a fireman outfit? He was like, it is so sad that women in LA would think that. I know this guy's full name. I can give it to you guys offline. I'll, I, I'll put it on the Facebook women's groups for y'all. Um, but then we met up and it turns out he was an improviser wearing a fireman outfit 
holding his friend's dog in the photo, not his own. And I literally, like, this That's is, the biggest lie of them all. They should but, call that dog fishing, by the way. <laughs> yes, dog fishing. But the saddest part of it was I, like, legit was broken from it. Like, I was, Aww. like... Real, because it's like you you just have to understand not like like you just girl really, if that's your worst there a, but there's, story I could really want to there's you. a lot like the thing is there's a lot of people on dating sites who are super um, vulnerable and scared and needy actually I think probably ninety percent of them are so just be super sensitive with these guys I I am very aware of that because I myself a very am very sensitive guy who like loves love um, however the photos I've chosen are not looking for love. Oh. Uh, I've, I've, yeah, very carefully curated this profile that I'm trying to attract a very certain type of guy looking for a very certain type of thing. And I'm not giving them enough information about myself where, like, I have to create too much of a backstory. Uh, so that they right. so they aren't hot pictures. They're so not they're like falling in love right with a personality. Yeah. They're like building a story around this girl and trying to get her in bed. Yeah. Yeah. What is your ultimate goal with this experiment? Um, I mean, right now it's almost just getting the courage to continue with it because, like, it, it is heartbreaking every time I message with them. But what I what I want to see is I want to see. Um, the ultimate goal would be to find, I, I guess, the ways to detach that leave both parties empowered. Could you guys leave us with some of your favorite mantras that you've created as your characters? Also, I would love to, if there's anything our listening audience can participate in. Yeah, if you want to give them a task, because we have a yeah, hotline, so they can call in and respond to the task that you like give a, them. Like a legit one or like a Dale Thorhammer one? Uh, whichever you like. All right. You go first. All right. Well, I want everyone right now to open up a browser window in their phone, their laptop, their smart tablet, anything that you use to browse the internet, I want you to go to stopstoppingtheunstoppable.com. Enter your name and email address, and you will receive the number one rated guide to solving any problem in your entire life, guaranteed, and a special gift from Dale Thorhammer to remind you that inside of you, there's a greater me. <laughs> Don't be the you you think you are. <laughs> be the me I think I am. What's another one? I have one more. It's a, oh, here, I got it. All right. Don't fake it till you make it. Feel it until you reel it. Mmm. <laughs> Thank you, Dale. I love being around Dale because he understands funnel marketing. So you give some something for free, and then they keep coming. <laughs> so this is Talia Brava. I'm currently um, I'm the spiritual leader for the next generation, and um, I'm I'm doing a series called Talia Like It Is. So you can call the hotline and ask me any question, and I will answer it. Talia like it, I'll Talia like it is. Um, so do you guys have anything you want me to tell you like it is right now? I'll just impromptu give you some wisdom if you give me a question. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you like it is. Yeah. Talia, why am I still single? Okay, so people, there's a myth right now that if you are a whole and complete person, you will attract another whole and complete person. That is a myth. Only puzzle pieces attract other puzzle pieces. <laughs> so you're probably too whole and you don't have the hole in your heart to connect with. So you need to search in your psyche and see where am I broken. And then you find the other half that can just automatically come in and fix it. <laughs> so for me, I'm an extremely overpowering person. So I often come around and those who are attracted to me are those who desire to be suffocated. You know, they desire, there's something in them that needs, they have nothing. They are nothing. So it's like Jesus, I come in and now we're fucking. <laughs> So ultimately, just find your hole, find that hole. It's biology and it's also sexy. Find that hole and fill it. Fill it. Yeah. So um, we we know where Dale exists, but tell us one more time where you like both exist in the internet ether. Uh, you could find Dale on Instagram at Dale Thorhammer, uh, and also I have a show coming up at the Open Space in Los Angeles on March twenty third. I do believe that's a Friday. Are oh you doing your weekend? No, twenty fourth. Okay. Are you not available? No, it's a weekend though. It, they can have no, they can have a weekend. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I finally upped the game and I decided to do it on a weekend. So uh, yeah, if you if you're interested in in anything stupid in Dale Thorhammer, go to stopstoppingtheunstoppable.com or check it out on Facebook uh, slash Dale Thorhammer or Instagram at Dale Thorhammer. 
Sweet. Uh, so my Talia Like It Is, an intimate evening with Talia Brava. You bet it's going to be intimate. March 24th, no way. Moving Arts. You guys, this is amazing. 23rd, 24th. It's a weekend of personal growth. You'll also, transcend. that's my birthday. Oh, my God. What? So Talia is going to be doing talks and one-on-ones. Yes. Just Talia-ing like it is. Totally uncovered, unveiled. You've never seen her so raw. Um, <laughs> but you can find Talia and me on my Instagram, Lucia Brizzi. Um, on Facebook, Talia Brava. Um, putting up lots regular videos these days talia ing like it is um yeah that's it amazing uh, in case you didn't know you've been listening to welcome to the clan bake on campfire media on campfire media um give us a call please yeah. uh let us know everything about all of your intimate details your feminist successes and follies your favorite period products your questions for aunt barb who we will have on again eventually uh 657-243-3789 that's 657-243-3789 thank you for listening clams we love you uh tune in next time